So we're going to continue our Advent series, and Advent is is preparing or waiting uh, for the birth of Jesus Christ, and uh, we're going to look in John chapter 1, and I'm just going to rip over the first three verses and get into uh, verses 14 and 18 and read those for you. So first, John 1, 1 to 3 first, it says that in the beginning the word uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. He was with God and was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And then we go to John chapter 1, verses 14 and 18, which is on your screen. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in in place of grace already given, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Now, if you ever want to get um, into Scripture and you're wondering where to start, John is a great book to do it. It walks you through everything. Right in there is a ton of theological explanations of of things, and and it breaks it down quite well about the Word and who the Word was and where the Word dwells. Uh, It's actually quite incredible. But when we read these scriptures, when we look at these verses, uh, the incarnation or the, the God made in human form in the person of Jesus Christ, when we talk about the incarnation, that's God being incarnate, being made man, being made human, uh, that was the first gift. And you hear it a lot um, around this time, the gifts of Christmas and Jesus being the gift. That is what that is talking about. Jesus being that ultimate gift, being incarnate, being made man, uh, sorry, God made in human form to us, given to us on earth. And we're going to talk a little bit about what, how it connects in the dwelling of that. Um, I want to ask you a question. Have you received that grace that God has given to you, that gift of grace in your everyday life? And understanding that God was made incarnate is very difficult. It's hard to kind of fathom. And the way I can explain it, I don't know. So I, most people don't know this. I don't talk about this very often. It's very personal. But I am a big Marvel fan. I like Thor because he's manly and he carries a big hammer, right? He's just, I, like to, I just like the idea of it. Um, and, and, and when the movies come out, I do enjoy them. Uh, I'm kind of a nerd that way, and, and I don't, I'd really, I'm being vulnerable. It's really weird right now. Um, but I like those movies. They're just fun. They, they turn your brain off, and you just enjoy it. But Thor, in, the, in one of the movies, is banished by his father to Earth, right? And he goes to Earth, and he doesn't have the powers that he normally would have. And he's standing there, and he's screaming to his father, and someone comes up and tases him, and he drops. And he's not sure what this is. And, and that's sometimes how we can feel when we're trying to explain or trying to understand God becoming man. We can be like, what is going on? This doesn't make any sense. 
We're lost in this, in this place. And, and as amusing as it seems, it, it, it illustrates this dilemma of talking about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We just don't have anything else quite like it to convey it. Uh, like fully and truly in how it occurred. Our minds really struggle with some of the concepts, the theological concepts of Scripture and the theological concepts that uh, theologians have created for us to try to put together. So when we talk about God uh, in Jesus Christ being man and God, 100% man and 100% God, that's very hard for us to understand because of the dwelling of those two. How can those two dwell together, fully God and fully man? And so in the simplest of terms, the incarnation is this formal theological word that we use to describe the action of God taking on human flesh as Jesus. And you will find that many people who do not understand Christianity, don't understand Jesus, don't really get grasp Christianity, struggle with this concept. They struggle with the fact that God came as Jesus in human form, 100% man, 100% God, and then died on the cross, was crucified, died, and then rose, rose from the dead. Um, People struggle with that. In, in, in a culture where movies are about zombies coming back to life and things like that, it, it, it really muddies the water of our belief system and theology. So people will say, well, so you're saying that Jesus was a zombie? Because again, right now, well, for the last I don't know how many years, zombie movies have been a big thing. And so people are like, that doesn't make sense. So today we are going to look at this chapter, we're going to walk through it and prepare ourselves on how we can encounter God, the Word becoming flesh. In John chapter 1, that we read in verses 1 to 5, we see how the one who entered this world was God. He was Jesus, fully divine, prophecies talked about him, it was, it was known that there, someone would come. Again, the religious community thought that this would be a political king, one that would rule on David's throne and redeem everyone and put Israel back in its right place. The problem is all of that was true except the last part. He did come to redeem, and he is the king on a throne, but not a political king throne. So what does it mean uh, that God took, the God who took on flesh, as John puts it, dwelt among us? In verse 14, uh, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, in verse 14, we learn that the divine word puts on flesh he dwelt among us. Now, the word dwelt in Greek is actually a, is a verb out of another, it's a, it's a verb form, so it's an action word from the word tabernacle. And now, if you've read any of the Old Testament, you'll understand that they had the tabernacle. They had the um, place where they would come and they would worship. A paraphrase of this scripture of, of uh, verse 14, would be the word became flesh and tabernacled among us or put a shelter in place among us, put up a tent 
among us. Meaning something happened, something was done. There was an action that happened when the word became flesh, when Jesus Christ became human form, God in human form, dwelt and walked among us. And so by using this word, John, the author of this letter, of this book, is giving us a very clear picture of what it meant that God dwelt among his people. In the Old Testament, there are tons of references. You just have to go into Google and punch it in, Old Testament word, tabernacle. You'll see it. It's in there that he, that, that there are references that God was dwelling among the people when that word tabernacle is used. Um, the tabernacle's main purpose was to provide a physical presence, a physical manifestation of God's holiness here on earth. That's why it was protected. That's why it was so important to the people. The layout of it, the contents inside it, the vessels, the furniture, the, even the material that it was made with, all of this reflected some type of element of God's character and humanity's need to approach a holy God cautiously and with respect. It is also where, as they came with respect and they came cautiously, they would come and they would find a place where humanity could come and worship the God of creation. And you know that Israel was one of the only nations that had a God that said, do not make idols. All the other ones had to have idols. All the other nations had to have something to worship. But not this God, not Jehovah. He's like, no, no. I'll give you a place, but you will not worship material of any type and put it in the shape of me. And as the, there's a dictionary of a biblical imagery, and it says this, in this way the author of the Gospels intends us to see Jesus' fulfillment of the tabernacle. He is now all of that, and he is present among all of us. So now we understand nowadays in the New Testament, New Testament scriptures talk about how our body is a temple. Do you see the connection? The tabernacle in the Old Testament, and then everything in it meaning something to, 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 to reflect the image of God, to reflect his character of who he is. And then as the New Testament comes around and prophecies are spoken about the Christ child coming, Scripture uses imagery to tell us that our bodies are a temple to connect it to the tabernacle because we've now become part of God's family because of Jesus Christ. So it's all connected. And when it's, so it's not only personal that, that we are a temple, of the Holy Spirit and part of the Godhead in that way, they also talk about when we come together like this. When we gather together, we are a unit and we're a group of believers and we are the dwelling place corporately because God is in us. 
And so no matter where we go individually or no matter where we are corporately, he is with us. That's why we talk about the family. Scripture talks about adopted into the family of God. Do you see how it all ties together? And when someone says to me, well, they just don't know if they could believe that all the Bible is true, I don't think they've read it fully or understood what it's talking about because once you connect the dots, nobody can put this together and agree. You know what? We have a hard enough time in the church agreeing on what color to paint the walls. How could any group of people agree on this and make it all tie together? I say impossible unless God is a part of it. And so this idea of us individually and corporately being the tabernacle with God living among us It's the first gift that God gave us to show us this important aspect of God. And it is a gift that comes with additional gifts. It's a gift that comes with additional presents. Like a Christmas present which you open and discover is filled with all sorts of great things, so too God's presence among us is filled with many blessings. God's presence within the corporate body, God's um, presence within ourself is filled with blessings. And although we may go through trials and struggles, we are blessed. This first, this idea of the tabernacle and of the blessing and of this gift lets us see the glory of God. See, when they would go to worship in the Old Testament, they didn't really get to see the glory of God. You could be around it, you could sort of sense it, but there were times when they did, when they saw incredible manifestations. But we get to see on a personal level and on a corporate level what God is doing in the lives of other people. Good, bad, and ugly. But it lets us see the glory of God working in people's lives. What did Moses, the, the biblical figure who we would say had probably the best relationship with God, ask God for. In Exodus 33, chapter 18, he said, show me your glory. And God said to him, yeah, you you can't look at me. (laughs) You can't look at me straight on or you're going to die. He could only catch a glimpse of God's glory. And that's in chapter 23, verses 20. To 23 in Exodus. And when Isaiah was given a vision of heaven, it is written that the seraphim, the angels around him, continually declared the holiness of God, but they did it with their eyes closed because of his glory. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2. And so we come to John in the New Testament where he says that John declares that the word took on flesh. When Jesus was born, we got to see the glory of God in human form. Again, difficult to understand. And not only does John 1 tell us that that in Jesus we can see the glory of God and live, but we are also given a description of his glory. It is a gracious a glory. It is full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses, grace came through Jesus Christ. 
and it's free, and we didn't deserve it, but God's gift of love towards us is free, undeserved. But it seems like it's very difficult to receive it. Why is that? I think it's because we don't feel we're good enough. The glory is too much. But he's saying it doesn't matter. I'm not keeping a record of that. You come to me, and it's free. It's free. The thing is, I think we forget when we do come to Jesus, and it is free, and we are allowed to be who we are supposed to be. We struggle, and we fight with our inner self. And that causes us to to stop growing and to stop looking into what God has in store for us. It's a significant gift where God tells us through Jesus Christ that we are right with him and can give up this struggle. We don't have to struggle. He's going to walk us through. His grace, you used to hear this all the time, and as a kid I used to hear it all the time, his grace is sufficient for me. You'll hear these terms. He sent his son to die for our sins uh, and to free us to live. But here's where it is interesting. We're free, but we're free to live for him. We're free to live for him. Not just willy-nilly do whatever we want, but we're here to live for him. And what has he said? What have we been talking about for the last month? We're free to live for him, but we need to love God, love our neighbor as ourself. Mm, Seems like a catch, huh? But it's, it's a good thing. When you come alongside each other, when you're corporately together and you're serving and helping others, that's the grace and the truth shown by Jesus Christ. When, when, when Jesus says you'll be known by how you love each other, that's what we need to be showing. And, I, and I've been talking a lot about how North American Christianity is very egocentric, is very self-driven. What works for me, I pick and choose and whatever. And, and, and that, could be, that could be just a general statement. Yes, it could. There are churches, there are Christians that are not egocentric. It's very true. But we have to be super careful because our Christianity, our belief in Jesus Christ, has to work here where we live and in the poorest of poor countries, right? So our concepts, our values, how we think God works, the character of God, has to be consistent in North America and in the poorest countries of Africa or in restricted nations where if you even mention Jesus, you're killed. That, our theology, our values, our belief in who Jesus is has to work through all areas of our lives. It can't just be when things are good and we're blessed. We are blessed, this country. We are blessed. North America in general is blessed. There's money, there's food, there's water, there's lots of water. There's all sorts of Resources that we have and opportunities that we have. But we always want it our way. That is sinful nature. That is, the, that is why Christ came to take that away. But we struggle. We battle with that. We don't have to. We don't have to. 
But again, in reality, we will. We will struggle with that. And at the best of times, you know, we will, we will do what we can to maintain a biblical Christianity. But these simple words that Jesus said to love God and love your neighbor, very clear. And you'll know by how you love each other. So if the word that became flesh, incarnate, became man, God, man, 100% man, 100% God, came in truth and grace and told us in truth and grace that we were to love each other as we would love ourselves, shouldn't we listen? Shouldn't North American Christianity listen? And so we have to be careful that it's not about us that it's not always about us. And we've been talking about this for a long time. But Christmas, we, you, you can watch all the Hallmark movies are out. How many are locked into Hallmark? Oh, they always fall in love at the end. And I can't believe you're a princess now. Oh, it's amazing, right? right? How, how does everyone become a princess by marriage? I don't know. I don't know the rules out there, but it happens and it's, it's so sweet and everyone kisses at the end and they're all happy and snowing at the right time, right on command when oh, the lips touch and snow, it comes. It's beautiful. It's magical. Christianity at Christmas is not about receiving gifts. It's honestly not even about giving gifts. It's actually about recognizing and waiting in preparation for the only gift you ever need, the only gift that matters. Everything that you get at Christmas, everything that you give will rust and turn to dust. But one thing remains, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the gift that continues to work in your life even when you're not so nice, even when we struggle, even when we question, even when we are upset and angry and shake our fists going, why? He is the one. So this Advent right now, as we're getting closer to, I can't believe I'm even saying this, December 25th, um, I saw snow the other night. It made me angry inside. <laughs> they don't show that on Hallmark Romantic Movie Week where a guy goes, I hate this snow. Nobody, I've never seen a movie where they get angry about the snow. That's my Hallmark Christmas. Angry. So if they would make a movie that would speak to me, it would be Christmas in Hawaii. Blue waters. Yeah, see, right? There we go, right? Well, with the whole global climate change, we might be the Hawaii of, of Canada anyway soon. So, you know, if we just wait long enough, that might happen. But anyways, this Advent, this Christmas season, while we're going through each week, if you haven't got them, please sign up on, on our website for the scriptures, the daily Christmas scriptures. I'll send out one every morning. Please sign up online for that. You've got to sign up online. You've got to go online. You've got to put your thing, your email down, and it'll go into it. Sign up for that. It's to walk us through toward the birth of Jesus Christ and carry us through as we prepare. But this Christmas season, how do you respond to the person of Jesus Christ? How do you respond to that? I would suggest as you read these scriptures, as you walk through them, 
that you meditate on them each day. Read it and then go about your day with that scripture in mind. And if you need to look it up, there's other links on that email that will help walk you through a commentary. Uh, there's a Matthew Henry. It's a little old English, but you can, you can Google this stuff. There's, um, there's all sorts of stuff. There's uh, John Piper. There's, there's tons of it. You, you can find people that are talking about these scriptures. And expand your knowledge on those scriptures as to why they are so important at Christmas. And then as you walk through that, you'll see that. So how do you respond to the person of Jesus Christ? You respond, well, first of all, you respond by digging into his word. But the answer to you right today is how do you respond today? And in that, what he's done for us, is he in the rightful place he should be in your life, in your daily life? Not just Sundays, not just when you go to life group, not just when you, you know, somebody asks you, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian, and that's it. Is he in the rightful place in your life and in your heart? These are the questions you have to ask. Advent is a time to prepare, it's a time to remember, and it's a time to reflect, and it's a time to make adjustments if you need to in your walk with him. Our busy lives, our busy lives, it's time to slow down, right? Things are kicking back up, getting more viruses than the Greek alphabet. You're going to run out of alphabet soon. I'm not quite sure where they're going to go after that, but... They're running out of Greek alphabet on these viruses. No matter what's going on, all the noise, all the algorithms that you have been feeding Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and Google that you are in, all that noise that's coming at you because it knows you almost better than you know yourself, what are you doing about your relationship with him and have you slowed down to reconnect and focus on just what he wants. If you're good, and you're like, hey, I'm on fire, I know what's going on, great. Keep on trucking and encourage other people and walk alongside them and make Christmas incredible. If you are struggling in areas, work it out. Find someone you can trust. Bring alongside other people. Bring it to God. And lay it down. There was a song this morning where we lay it down, and, and, and uh, Caleb talked about laying it down. So what is it that you need to lay down today? We all do. We all, in our journey, we all have something to lay down. So if something's getting in the way of your relationship with him, between you and God, work it out and lay it down. Christmas is supposed to be where we show the love of Jesus Christ, but not just at Christmas. It's supposed to carry on every day throughout the year. Let's, let's not make Christmas the only time. And this year, we're calling our Advent series uh, Celebrating Christmas Together. And as you saw, Sue spoke her scripture that she read in Korean. And we're going to have other languages each Sunday because we are a unit. We come together. And when we gather together, because of who is dwelling with inside us, he dwells in all of us, corporately and individually. So no matter what language we speak, no matter where we're from, no matter where we live, no matter what status we have, we can come and celebrate it together because we are in the family of God. 
and we welcome others to come and join as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone here. Thank you for your word and how the truth and grace is woven throughout every scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Help us as we, this season, look forward to remembering you being born in human form. Help us to recognize the importance of that event and extend grace, love, and truth to others this Christmas. In Jesus' name, everyone said...